I want to thank you for joining us today on Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the radio outreach of Vertical Church in Columbus. We're in the middle of a series called God's Relentless Love, and today we're going to listen to the first part of a message called Prepare to Be Amazed. I hope you've been amazed by God's relentless love. Let's talk about that. Well, good morning. I want to invite you to uh, open your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. And we're going to be continuing our uh, series on God's relentless love. This is actually the third message, the final message in this series. And we've seen the Father's relentless love. We saw that as we looked at the verse in John three sixteen: For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. If you don't understand uh, the Father's love, then you don't understand why Jesus came. And the Father sent Jesus Christ to be the Savior of the world. If God could have sent anything, the most important thing, it was his son, Jesus Christ. Then we looked at Jesus Christ. Uh, We looked at Luke chapter 19, where it says that the Son of Man, Jesus, came to seek and to save that which was lost. And last week we looked at um, how Jesus came and literally knocked Saul off his wars and opened his eyes to the love of God toward uh, the apostle paul but maybe you're asking the question what about the holy spirit in all of this and how do i how do i understand the holy spirit's role in god's uh, relentless love that's what we're going to be talking about today uh, why don't you open your bible with me uh, acts uh, chapter 10 we're going to begin reading in verse 1 but let me pray for us before we start this morning heavenly father we come before you we thank you for your uh relentless love um for your people and for those who are lost And as we go to this study today, Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts or that our hearts would be humble before your word. Lord, we here at uh, Vertical Church, we preach the authority uh, of your word. Um, And Lord, as we come to your word today, we ask that our hearts would come underneath your authority, that we would humble ourselves, that we would be soft and and pliable before your spirit as we uh, listen to your words of grace. Teach us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God's word says this. Nat Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what is known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all of his household and gave alms generously to the people. And he prayed continually uh, to God. Now, maybe you're wondering, well, who is this Cornelius guy? He just shows up in the middle of Acts and, and, and what's going on here? Well, uh, just to give you a little bit of a backdrop, uh, Caesarea was um, right on the Mediterranean Sea. And maybe we think of Jerusalem as being kind of the center of Palestine or or Israel of the day, and really it was not. Um, Judea, Jerusalem, was part of a a Roman uh, area that had been conquered and that was being occupied. And Caesarea was set up in six A.D., roughly when Jesus would have been about ten, and um, it was set up as a governmental kind of headquarters for governmental operations. And so that was really the main city in the uh, region of Palestine. Uh, now, we also noticed that here the text it says that he was a centurion of the Italian cohort, not exactly someone uh, that we would have expected to be right in the center of God's plan of grace. Uh, but let me read you something here I found from a commentator named Peterson. I think this will be helpful for us to really get a, a sense of why this whole A chapter is going to be significant as we come to understand God's uh, relentless love for us. 
Uh, Peterson writes this. He says, as a centurion, Cornelius would have commanded an auxiliary force of approximately 100 men, uh, one-sixth of a regiment or cohort. Although he was a non-commissioned officer, uh, his responsibilities were more like those of a modern army captain. Uh, the so-called Italian regiment would have been made up of freedmen. Those were former slaves that essentially earned their freedom and uh, who were enrolled only in periods of great need. He also adds this, that there is, uh, to our knowledge, there were no legionary, you know, the Roman legions, there were no legionary troops in Judea from AD 6 uh, through 66, uh, but that the Roman governors commanded auxiliary forces. The Italian regiment would presumably have been a so-called because it was originally raised in Italy. That means that this group, um, that Cornelius was... Uh, overseeing as a centurion would have been uh, people from Italy that were raised up and then brought to uh, Palestine uh, to uh, be underneath the governor and to execute what he wanted done. However, they were not the forces that were uh, the conquering forces, if you will. Now, here's the bottom line. They were an occupation force. They were there to keep the peace, uh, not win a war, but they were an occupation force. You think about that in our day, would we want an occupation force in Ohio? The answer is no, no. In fact, the Jews hated uh, this occupation force. That's who Cornelius is a part of. Obviously, his heart is a little bit different. You might think, uh, Cornelius, why would God even care about him? Why would the Holy Spirit be drawing attention to a Roman centurion uh, in Palestine? Well, Many of us think, and we have our own ways of thinking about who's, who God's relentless love should be directed toward, but God's love is for the world, and we're going to see today that God's relentless love has many targets far beyond what we would think of. I also want you to just notice that it says here about Cornelius that he was a man who feared God. What does that mean? Well, Cornelius, uh, like others that we'll see throughout the book of Acts, uh, was a man that was a Gentile but um, was attracted to the Jewish faith and even uh, would have kept some of the uh, law, perhaps would have engaged in certain synagogue activities, but was not considered a Jew. He would have been a very Gentile in other ways, but he prayed to God. He gave alms. Clearly, his heart was toward God, uh, but he was not a believer in Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to take us back to the text here of verse 3. It says, about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, a Cornelius. Isn't it awesome? Right here in this text, God knows the name of someone that we wouldn't even think of when it comes to someone that God would be reaching out to. I mean, Peter would have no idea if you would ask Peter, hey, hey, who, who, who would God want you to be reaching out to? Who would maybe somebody you could be sharing your faith with? I mean, he wouldn't even have thought of not thinking of putting Cornelius on that list. And yet, a God had bigger plans and knows Cornelius by name. It says, and he stared at him in terror and said, uh, uh, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon a tanner whose house is by the seaside. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him, 
And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. And I'm going to show us on a map here, uh, roughly, as you can see here on the map, of the Mediterranean Sea and up here on the northern end of uh, Judea, off the uh, Mediterranean Sea, is Caesarea. And then as you go farther south, uh, you can see Joppa. They're roughly about 30 uh, miles away or so. I want to remind us something that we've been talking about through the last few weeks. Isn't it interesting that here we have an angel of God. Remember last week we saw Jesus come and speak to Saul. And now we have an angel coming and speaking to Cornelius. And yet, uh, I think we would all agree that either Jesus or the angel are pretty um, doctrinally informed, pretty capable of giving the gospel. And yet, what does the angel do here? The angel does not give the message. Instead, what he did is he sent him uh, to connect with Peter. Uh, you know, God wants to use us in sharing uh, the gospel. Jesus is not looking to send an angel to meet your friend or your neighbor. He's looking to use us to share a God's relentless love for the people in our lives. Now, all this is happening to Cornelius, of course. Uh, let's look back at the text. Peter has no idea what's going on, but God's going to bring him into the picture next. Uh, verse 9 says, In the next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city... Peter went up to the housetop about the sixth hour, that's about lunchtime, uh, to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet or a tarp uh, descending, being let down by four corners upon the earth. And in it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him a second time, What God has made clean, do not call common. And this happened three times. The thing was taken up at once into heaven. And notice that it says that all kinds of animals and what it's what it's referring to. I mean, basically, Paul, Peter had the whole zoo come down to him in a tarp, uh, but especially animals uh, that, according to the Jewish law, were considered uh, unclean. Now, Peter responds by saying, uh, by no means, Lord, by no means. Now, um, I can remember being a kid. You can remember being a kid. And, uh, you know, you come home one day and mom says, hey, I got this new recipe. And uh, what is it, mom? Uh, well, it's 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 you know it's this eggplant infused with squash with a you know uh, um, uh, some sort of a gravy uh, some sort of sardine gravy over the top of it, right? And you're just like, oh. And, and the thought you may not said it, but the thought was uh, by no means. And, and by the time you've had one serving of that, mom's like, hey, would you like seconds on that? And you're like, uh, by no means, by no means. And mom, please never. Make this again. That's not what Peter's thinking here. Peter is not worried about the taste of the food. You know, ever since Peter was a young boy, he was taught the difference between what we would call clean or unclean animals. Clean animals were animals that were allowed in the dietary um, um, restrictions of the law. Unclean. Uh, there were all kinds of unclean animals were not allowed to eat. Now, this was not a matter of just preference or, or anything like that. It was really a matter of worship. 
Pastor Luke Aarons from Vertical Church Columbus. If you're listening to Meeting with God, you're clearly interested in God's Word. One of the great joys of my life is seeing people grow together in God's Word on a weekly basis. And these messages are a part of our weekend services. If you don't have a church family, let me invite you to join us this weekend. Our church home is located in Columbus near Route 315 and Henderson Road. Details are available at verticalchurch.life. Think back with me to uh, Daniel. If you remember the life of Daniel, he was taken to Babylon as a teenager. Uh, Daniel chapter 1 verse 8 says, But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. If you remember that story, you get a better sense of what's going on here. It's not a matter of Peter not wanting to eat whatever God had put in front of him. It was a matter of, God, I can't do this. I would never do this. I don't even know why you're putting it in front of me, God. Why would you be tempting me to do something that you know I clearly cannot do? In fact, if you read on the history of the Jewish faith, especially during the few hundred years right before Peter here in the text, a number of Jews had died, had given their lives. In fact, they would uh, the enemies of the Jewish faith would sometimes try to force Jews to uh, blaspheme their own faith by eating certain types of meat. Think pig meat, um, some pork. Here, eat this or die. And many of the Jews had given their lives. That's the intensity of what Peter is talking about here. But then this line right here, verse 15, says the voice came to him a second time, what God has made clean, do not call common. That's a bit of a cryptic message for Peter. Peter was confused. Like what, what is, what is this voice saying? And obviously as we go through the text, it's going to become, uh, God's going to begin to unfold to Peter uh, why this vision has come to him. Obviously, we don't have the answer yet, but I think it's pretty obvious as we're looking at this text, we are seeing what is going on with Cornelius. Clearly, Peter could not, but it's pretty obvious to me. In fact, I'm going to ask you to grab a pen here, just jot this down. God loves people outside your box. God loves people outside your box. Do you believe that? Some of the people that you would think of as unclean or beyond the grace of God, God's relentless love can touch them and God wants to touch them and use you as the person that will deliver the message. One little insight here I think that is helpful and encouraging. Think about the life of Peter. I find it interesting how God uh, speaks to us in various situations, just how we need him to speak to us, just as um, God reached out through an angel to call Cornelius by name. God also reaches out to Peter and reaches out to him in a very unique way. Now think back about Peter's life for a moment. Three seems to be his perfect number. Think back to just before Jesus dies on the cross and Jesus says, you're going to deny me how many times? Three. And then Peter goes ahead and denies him and and he's crushed over his failure. And I mean, this is pretty much the ultimate failure. But then you remember what Jesus did after his resurrection. He came back and drew Peter to himself and they went for a walk. And, and what did Jesus say? He said to Peter, hey, hey, do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter says, yes, of course I do. And he says a second time, do you love me? Do you love me? Peter says, yes, of course. Why do you keep asking me? And he does it a third time. Peter, do you love me? 
and then Peter got it. And in the same way that Jesus had worked through the failure in Peter's life three times and called him to loving commitment three times, now Peter again, how many times has this come up in the text? Look at here, three times. Three times this vision comes to him and God is clearly emphasizing to Peter, this is very, very important. Whatever's about to come, don't miss this. And believe me, this was going to be a, a church altering experience. The church would never be the same. It would go from being just focused on those who had been Jewish believers and now receiving their Messiah to becoming a faith that would reach everyone for God so loved the world, a faith that would reach everyone. I find it just so encouraging how God reaches out to Peter and helps him to see in his own way exactly what he needed from the Lord. Let's look at verse 17. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, I have no idea, God, what are you doing? Behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. Notice in verse 17, it says that Peter was inwardly perplexed. I don't know if you are in that place today. Maybe there's something that God is allowing in your life and you're like, what are you doing, God? Now, have you ever asked that question? Be honest with me. The truth of the matter is we've all asked that question. All of us have gone through situations or are going through situations. Maybe even today you've been thinking this question, God, why are you allowing this to happen in my family? Or God, why are you putting me in this situation at work? Or God, why are these classmates of mine engaging me this way and putting me in such an uncomfortable situation? God, what are you doing? God, why are you allowing this situation? And I can tell you that I've had many of those and I'm in some right now. You know, I want you to know this, that walking by faith, that is a very normal thing to be asking the question, God, what are you doing? I'm confused. And some of us might think, well, if I was just like Peter, if I was just like one of those people in the, you know, in the New Testament, some of those spiritual giants, then I'd understand everything. And that is simply not the truth. God is putting Peter through a perplexing situation and God calls each of us uh, to walk and to live by faith. You know, if we're going to experience God's relentless love. And if we're going to share God's relentless love, we're going to have to walk by faith. I want to encourage you from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, which says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. And if you're maybe just, just, just kind of in a place of discouragement today, I just want to encourage you. God wants to use your life. God wants to use you to share your faith. And maybe, maybe this awkward situation that you're in right now is just simply God's way of opening the door to something better and to an opportunity for you to live out your faith in a tough situation. Don't be discouraged. You know, stepping into the unknown, I think we all feel that sometimes, stepping into the unknown uh, requires us to live by faith in our loving God. Now, walking by faith it requires listening to the Spirit. Notice here in the text of the Spirit says uh, to Peter, he says, I want you to go without hesitation or without reservation. Now, why would the Spirit say that? 
Well, very naturally, because Peter was about ready to have some serious reservation. Peter was about to come down and to find out that a, a, a centurion is looking for me. Are you kidding me? Yet the Spirit sets him up to go without reservation. Sometimes God calls us to just trust him and just obey, just obey. Look back at verse 21. It says, Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, upright and God-fearing man who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, has was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. I don't know what Peter was thinking. He had no idea other than that the Holy Spirit said, trust me, trust me. But I have to think that when these, these men that he begins to talk to that come up to uh, the door, when he starts talking to them and they say, um, a centurion is looking for you. I just have to wonder if Peter's heart just, just sank, just sank. You ever had that happen before where you're, you're doing something for the Lord and you're just like, really, really, the, really, really God? It kind of reminds me of a situation. You ever had someone, you know, who that maybe they set you up for a special birthday party or something and, you know, uh, they say, hey, 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 it's going to be a surprise. It's going to be a surprise. Just trust me. Just trust me. And you're like, eh, and you're like, no, 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 just trust me. Just trust me. You're going to love this. You're going to love this. Right. And then you, and then you go to the restaurant and it'd take you three seconds to smell the food. And you're like, yeah, I'm not sure trust is going to make this happen today. I think Peter is probably thinking a bit of the same thing. I would even wonder if he was asking the question, you know, that voice I just heard, was that really the Holy Spirit or was I just hearing things? The Holy Spirit will lead you to reach people outside of your comfort zone. You know, if we want to be a church family that is reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, as we're called to do, sometimes that's going to mean that we're going to go into places that feel rather uncomfortable. The question I would have for you is, are you willing to be used by the Holy Spirit? Are you willing to open yourself up to whatever he is calling you to do, whether or not it feels really comfortable or not? The question for us each day is, will I join uh, the ministry of the Spirit? Will I join in on what God's Spirit is already doing? Now, we're going to see throughout this text that God's relentless love is during this season of time on earth being orchestrated by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that's going to reach out to Peter and to speak to him and to show him what he needs to know so that he connects with these men and goes back to Caesarea and talks to Cornelius. And then we're going to see in a little bit that the Holy Spirit has more up his proverbial sleeve because God's relentless love is being orchestrated by the ministry of God, the Holy Spirit. So the question is, will I join in the ministry of the Holy Spirit on a day-to-day -day basis? That means being full of the Spirit being under the control or influence of the Holy Spirit moment by moment. That means opening myself up to the fruit of the Spirit. Am I letting the Spirit work through and control my life in such a way that the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control are working their way out of my life? Well, you know what that means? If those elements of the fruit of the Spirit are working their way out, that also means that 
uh, really every word, every action, every attitude, every motive in my life is increasingly under the control and under the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You know, in addition to that, I would ask, you know, maybe your words uh, are under the control of the Spirit, your actions, your attitudes, your motives, but, 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 but are you willing to follow the Holy Spirit in the, quote, unexpected, the unexpected? You, some of us are so controlled and we want things to be a certain way, and I got my plan for next week and my plan for the week after that, and every day is measured in time. I try to be good with my, you know, structure my time and use my... And sometimes we just need to back up and say, you know what, we're here. We are under the authority of Jesus Christ. We live for Jesus. And because of that, the Holy Spirit is in us. How sad would it be to have our day operate perfectly and miss an incredible opportunity that the Holy Spirit wants to bring into our lives? Thank you so much for listening to Meeting with God, the radio ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus, Ohio. If you missed part of today's message or would like to hear other messages from Pastor Luke Aarons, please visit our archive of Meeting with God radio programs at our website, verticalchurch.life. There you'll find a collection of past messages from God's Word, which you can listen to easily, as well as share with your family and friends. Also on our website, you can learn how to connect with Vertical Church personally if you're in Columbus or leave a prayer request. As always, we hope you'll join us here tomorrow at the very same time for your meeting with God. Meeting with God is the teaching ministry of Vertical Church Columbus. For more information, go to verticalchurch.life.